comes this morning. I'm a guest guest speaker today, so never been here before. Um, so uh, I'm just I'm excited though. I'm excited for the word of God. Listen, I'm excited that you guys got out of bed this morning. It was cold. It was rainy. I didn't want to get out of bed, but you guys are here uh, because you know the value of what it is to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, so I'm just super pumped. Um, I just want to say welcome to Fort Scott. They moved to a new building. Uh, you guys got to see some pictures. Uh, it's super cool out there. Actually, I'm a little jealous. Um, their stage is like twice the size of this thing, um, and so they can have a lot more musicians up there, and I just love having tons of people on the team. So uh, I'm excited to dive in today. I'm going to ask a question. Who here has loved this series? Okay, a couple of you guys. Okay, let's, yeah, seriously, this, this series has been amazing. Uh, it's challenged me in, in a lot of ways, um, and I'm just excited to, to be able to extend this series. As Pastor Anthony um, talked to us about, you know, being a part of the series, and I get to preach on the world today, the world. Um, and so I'm going to start with this graphic, though, if you guys remember this graphic, there's, we started with these deceptive ideas, the devil, right? He starts he gives ideas, like in the Garden of Eden, right? He gives Adam and Eve, did God really say? He puts those ideas out there, and then the flesh starts to take over. It starts to think, we start to think for ourselves and start to, to wrestle with things, and we say, oh, well, did God really say? I can't do that. And we flirt with sin, and we see how close we can get to that line. And then what happens is we end up here, like with the world in a sinful society. You cannot look at the news every day and not say that the world is in this a sinful society, right? It's, it's in, a, really, it's in pretty bad shape. So the world, though, can be both positive or negative, right? Think about it. God said in the beginning, he created the world, and he called it what? Good, right? He created and he called it good. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So he's talking about his creation once again being Good. But today, we're going to talk about the world and maybe not such a good place. Um, the word cosmos in Greek, which is where we get our English word cosmos, has more than one meaning. It actually has at least three meanings in Scripture. But today, we're only going to really talk about one. We're going to talk about the negative meaning the word has in Scripture. You see one Greek theologian defines the world as a system of practices and standards associated with secular society. Remember, right, the world uh, that we define secular society as a world that attempts to live as if there's no God. You see, the world believes that man can attain his own salvation. Think about it. Think where we've come. Think where we are now, right? Treat yourself, this, this kind of me movement that I need to focus so much on the inside. It's almost as if we started to create this place where we start to elevate ourselves as our own gods. The world believes that man can attain his own salvation. And see, the problem is that man is not just no God. Man is anti-God. Man is anti-God. So simply put, the world is Satan's domain, where his values and his authority reign. And get this, if you're of the world, it all seems right. 
like it all seems like it's, it's perfect, like things are just working out. But isn't that scary? Like think about it. If you're really living in the world, some of the stuff that happens starts to seem okay. It starts to seem right. That we start to no longer hate what God hates. We start to accept it. We start to accept sin in our own lives. That's what it is to be of the world. That when you are of the world, it starts to seem right. Pastor Anthony said it's the idea that when you continue to feed the flesh each time, that sin becomes easier and easier until you become desensitized to the fact that it's even a sin. Maybe you're there this morning. Listen, if I was to define, if you're taking notes, you know, Pastor Eli always talks about we're a culture of engagement. So I highly encourage you. You don't have to bring your own notebook. We have it in the app. If you got the church app, you can take notes. But I highly encourage you to stay engaged, right? And here's the reason I take notes. Because if you're like me, tomorrow I'm going to forget. Right. I'm even going to forget tomorrow what I just talked about today. That's where I'm at. I don't know. It's not even old age. I don't know what it's at. I'm so it just happens. Um, but it's, it's important that you stay engaged. And so if you're taking notes this morning, if I was to devi- define the world, I would say that the world is culture in opposition to Jesus. It's culture in opposition to Jesus. And so this morning, I want to go through multiple points And talk about what scripture really has to say about the world. And what better place to start than with Jesus? What did he have to say? So here's my first point. Be on guard. Be on guard. See, Jesus saw the world as something to, as a threat. He didn't see it as just some friendly thing. He saw it as a threat. He said to be on guard against the world. So if you have your Bibles this morning, John 15, we're going to turn to John 15, and we're going to read verses 18 through 20. And if you don't have your Bible, we'll have it up on the screen. Give you just a second to turn there. So John 15, 18 through 20 says this. If the world hates you, this is Jesus speaking. He said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. So I'm just going to break scripture down. I'm I'm a big exegetical guy. I love to just wrestle with what scripture is saying. When I study the word of God, I'll take like two sentences and just like dissect it um, unbelievably and break it down to the small little thing. And so anyway, he starts off, he says, if the world hates you, right? He was warning the disciples that the world, which, by the way, eventually crucified him, would treat them very similarly, right? That he, they would, the world would treat them the same. It's the same warning today, right? Nothing's changed. It's not like Jesus said, okay, disciples, you're going to be hated because they hated me. No, he's talking about Christians, believers. He said, if the world treated me this way, You can expect the world to treat you the same. You see, the relationship between Christians and the world today is hostile. Right? And I get it. Sometimes in our American church, in our American culture, we don't wake up and face persecution every day. But check out what's going on in Israel. Tell me that's not spiritual warfare. 
Check out what's going on in other countries. There are martyrs every single day for the gospel of Jesus. So the world, Jesus gives us hope here, though, right? Because he says that, oh, guess what? The world hated me first. So really, the world doesn't hate you because of you. Think about that for a second. It's not because of you. It's because they hate Jesus. Right? They hate Jesus. And the disciples Jesus spoke to that night would know all, um, would, would know the hatred of the world. In fact, they were all persecuted. And all of them died as martyrs in Jesus' name except for John. He was the only one of the, the, the 12, right, that was not killed, though multiple times it was attempted. You see, disciples of Jesus, you and me, should be known for our love, not the hatred. The world is known for hatred. Think about it. Every time you turn on the news, there's, I, I don't know when the last time I saw something positive cross the TV screen. It's all about hatred. Right? Even sports talk shows anymore. They got to bash one athlete. These are pro athletes. Like, these guys could do any better. Right? But that's what the world, the world focuses on, hatred. But as believers, you and I, that can't be our focus. The focus is Jesus. And Jesus said to do what? To love God and to love your neighbors as yourself. Meaning that there is love that comes from the Christian. Right? People always say, you know, what separates the Christian from the non-believer? And one of the things I think is love. It's love for the Father. And it's love for his creation and his people. Know that Jesus, that the world hated Jesus before you. You see, Jesus, really, he gives us hope to comfort his disciples and to comfort us. The knowledge that the world hated him first, was, it was directed at him. Right? It, the hate that we see today is still directed at him. It's crazy to me, honestly. The people, they crucified him. And even after he was crucified, what did, the, to the, uh, what did they do? Like the, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they tried to still hide it. Like he didn't just come back from the grave. That can't be possible. Right? Even when, even when the stone was rolled away, they tried to cover it up. So many different ways. So Jesus goes on. He says, if the world hates you, then he goes, he says, you're... Um, not of this world. Verse 19, I'm going to reread it. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you were not of the world, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I just got to highlight, he says something here in the, in, that caught my eye. He says, the world would love you as its own. You see, when we love the world, we start to look like the world. When we look like the world, the world starts to love us and it, and it takes hold of that. And then what we happens is more and more we start to look like the world until we no longer look like Jesus. That's a scary place to be. It entices us. It drags us further away from God. That, literally, the world will drag you farther away from the Savior. Jesus said this both as fact and as explanation. In so many ways, we are different than the world. But here's the thing. There's somebody out there who doesn't like that fact. It's the enemy. It's Satan, the accuser. Right? He wants us to look like the world, to be infatuated with the things of the world. Why? It keeps our eyes off of Jesus. Pastor Anthony talked about it in Counter Night. He said, we're such a busy culture. 
and I, I truly believe this is where we're at right now. If the enemy can't keep you from God, he'll keep you busy. Because if he can keep you busy, what have you forgot to do today? Well, I forgot to read my Bible. I didn't get into the word. I didn't get into prayer. I'll do it again tomorrow. Well, guess what? You're going to be just as busy tomorrow. So if the enemy can't keep you from maybe going to church, well, he can sure keep you busy. The world wants you busy. We're the most distracted humans have ever been. The enemy uses things of this world to keep us tied down to things of this world. Think about it. To continue to love the world the way unbelievers do will cripple your spiritual growth and render you fruitless for God's kingdom. If you continue to love the world the way that unbelievers do, it's going to cripple your faith. You're going to start making excuses for sin. Right? You're going to start turning away from the things of God. Guys, listen, I, I'm not here to bash another church or another pastor. But this is happening in the church at the highest level where pastors are starting to take the word of God and make excuse and say, well, you know what, maybe it didn't mean that. Listen, God's word, it's not changing. What he gave us is, is, is still here today. Right? It, that didn't change overnight. But so many times we start to make excuses, and I think the world entices us to make the gospel. We try to change the gospel as if it needs to change, and the world is just fine. No, the world needs to change, and the gospel should remain the same. Jesus says he chose you out of the world. And Dodds puts it like this. He says, the hatred of the world, instead of being depressing, should be exhilarating. I love this quote. Be exhilarating as being evidence and guarantee that they've been chosen by Christ. What he's saying is when the world hates you, when you feel persecuted, he said, that's to fire you up because you're doing something right. You're going out and you're doing the call that God has called you to, to preach the gospel. He said, it shouldn't get you down. Oh, man, the world hates me, right? Like, oh, someone told me because I'm a follower of Jesus, like I can't be invited to the club. That should excite you, right? That's what, that's what Dodd's saying, that we should really get pumped up when someone says, well, you're a Christian, so I don't really want you here. Like, okay, great. I want to be there because I want to share the gospel with you. Jesus says he chose us out of the world. So when persecution comes our way, it is evidence that you are indeed a follower of Jesus. Right? Like, do you want to be known as a follower of Jesus or a follower of the world? If you want to be known as a follower of Jesus, persecution will come. It will come. I want to give you a warning this morning. One person may be religious and still very much a part of this world. Jesus was crucified by religious people. Not just religious people, people who knew the word of God. They, they would grow up studying the first five books of the Bible. They would dive deep into understanding the word of God, and yet they missed Jesus. In fact, they, they called him a, a heretic, a, a blasphemer, and they took him to the cross. We can be religious people and be very much a part of this world. And that's what Jesus is telling us to be on guard against. We are told we shouldn't fall into this category. 
And we're called to be different. We're called to be different people. Despite a semi-hostile relationship between Jesus and the world, Jesus' intent, though, was never for his disciples uh, to abdicate their responsibilities. Right? As cool as the, the monastic movement is, Jesus was no monk. Right? Jesus didn't just go and say, well, I don't need to share the gospel to anybody. Right? I'm saved. Now, Jesus would go and he would, he would go to a secret place with the Father to get recharged, to, um, to get refueled, to go out and preach the gospel again another day. But he never went and stayed hidden. I just want to challenge you this morning. When's the last time you talked to somebody about God? That's, that's a non-believer. Listen, I'm in the same boat. I'm not going to sit up here and say I do it every day. That's not true. I'm not going to lie to you. But I, when I was writing this message, I sure felt convicted because the world needs hope. People need hope. The world needs saved. And God has called you, he's chosen you out to go and be the hands and feet of the gospel. To go and preach the good news to somebody who doesn't know him. Right? To stop in Walmart, right, and say, hey, you know what? Um, I'm just going to pray with you, right, when someone's hurting or when something's happening. Not to just ignore it and walk on. Jesus was no monk. He didn't just hide away in a cell, right? He went to the desert, but he always came back. What I mean by that is he would always go to that secret place, right? Same as you and I. The example is set for us that we should go and spend time with our fathers, so then we can go and make disciples. John 17, 14 through 18 says this, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Once again, Jesus reminds us that we're not of this world. Right? When we start to think that we're of this world, we've crossed a line. Jesus, but listen, listen to this prayer. Jesus prayed for his own to be kept from the evil one. The world in which the evil one rules and all of the evil schemes and strategies. But what Jesus didn't pray, he didn't pray that we would just go and hide. He didn't pray that. He prayed for protection when you'd go out. That should be our prayer. God, protect me as I go into the world today to preach your good news. You see, Jesus wants us to be in the world, but not to be marked by the evil one. He didn't pray for us to be taken out of the battle, right? But that we would be strengthened and protected in it. So I want to break this down. Jesus was not of the world in his nature, in his office, right, in his status, or in his character. What does that mean for us? That we should not be of the world in our nature, in our office, in our jobs, right, or in our character. That instead, we're to be like Jesus in all of these. And I love this. He goes on and prays, sanctify them in truth. Right? To be sanctified means to be set apart for God. It implies holiness, being set apart from the corruption of the world for God's use. The cool thing about sanctification is the process is not left to us alone. 
It is a work of God in us and through us. To sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. This quote is probably one of my favorite quotes. Spurgeon said it like this. He said, the more truth you believe, the more sanctified you will be. The more truth you believe, the more sanctified you will be. What is truth? Right, hopefully by now, with series, we've started to understand that truth is, that Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. Right? He is truth. His way is truth. His word is truth. And so what it's saying is if it, to be more like Jesus, you have to do what Jesus did. But to know what Jesus did, you got to read what Jesus did. Right, so being in the word, being committed to prayer, those things are what make us holy, drawing near to God as he draws near to us. That promise in Scripture isn't, hey, God will just draw near to you. No, he says, draw near to me, and then I will draw near to you. It implies that we have a responsibility in this thing, to draw near to God. If you want to be set apart from the world, you must know the truth. Because the truth will do what? Set us free. Set us free. Truth is found in the word of God. It's found in studying the word of God, meditating on his word. The more we focus on the word and the less we focus on the world, our minds will start to be transformed. Our thoughts, our hearts, we start to look more like Jesus and less like the evil one that's in the world. Here's the thing, though. There's something at stake this morning. Because when, when we're all in, in the world, there's, there's, there's this possibility. I just want to read scripture. Mark 8.36 says this. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? I want to ask you a few questions that I want you to take home this weekend as homework and just reflect on this. What are you worth? What are you worth? What is your value? What would you trade your soul for? And is there anything worth more than your soul? See, these are the questions I think Jesus wants us to deeply consider as we follow him throughout our lives. Mark 8, 36, it says, so what does it profit a man to gain this, this whole world, and to lose his soul, to forfeit his soul? To forfeit something is to lose or be deprived of something as a penalty of wrongdoing. You see, when we try to gain the world and reject God, the penalty and consequence of this wrongdoing is to lose our soul. Right? When, we, when we try to gain the whole world and we start to say, God, I don't need you anymore. Eternity is not in his presence. This is what's at stake. And the enemy, listen, he doesn't just like one day you wake up and you say, I just want the world over Jesus. That's not how it works. Right? Come on. Here's how it works. One day you wake up and you say, okay, oh, man, I, I don't want to spend time with God today. The enemy's got this for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in this. Right? And he, just, he has to keep you distracted and distracted and distracted. And pretty soon what happens then is that you say, you know what, God, I'm not really sure I need you anymore. I'm not really sure that this relationship's working for me anymore. I got other things. I got other things. I don't, I don't need this. What does it profit a man 
to gain the world and to lose his soul. When we reject God, we're at stake of losing the soul. See, amazingly, though, the people who live the opposite are the ones who really, genuinely experience joy. You see, when we give all of our life to Jesus, all the way, and living as other-centered people, it doesn't take away from our lives, but it adds to it. We find life and victory in obedience. Jesus found victory in obedience. This is the opposite. It's the opposite of the world. The world says this, be self-centered. Take care of yourself. Treat yourself. Listen, I, there's a time and place for that. I totally don't disagree, right? Like, don't run yourself into the ground and then have to feel like you can do nothing anymore because you're so depressed, right? Take care of that. But the world wants you to be so focused on yourself that Jesus starts to remove himself from the picture. That's where it gets scary. The world's so focused on, well, you just treat yourself. Right, go out and do your thing. Like, and then what happens is you start to think to yourself, well, I don't really, the world's telling me I don't really need Jesus to fix any of these problems. I just need this, this, and this. The world will entice you, and it keeps you in that place. When you do those things, you'll find happiness, right? Think about it. You'll find happiness when you do the things the world likes you to do. But here's my question for you this morning. Have you ever sat down to watch a movie, read a book, or, or get to the end of a TV show or whatever and say, man, that was great, but there's still something missing? Anybody? Or is that just me? Like every time I finish something, I'm like, man, that was, that was cool. But it didn't fill me up. It fleeted. A couple days later, I forgot what the TV show was about. Yet, let me ask the question. We're, we're still talking about the gospel 2,000 plus years removed. Right, fourth, we're how many years removed? I can't do math this morning. So it, it, we're still talking about Jesus. Because there's different, there's something different when you read the Bible, when you dive into the word. There's this, this feeling of the, the spirit that lasts longer than the just fleeting feeling of, well, I just watched a good movie. I'm not saying movies are bad. Hear my heart this morning. What I'm saying is the world wants to keep you in a place distracted from the good things, from the great things, from the God things. It wants to keep you in a place that you're saying, man, I'm so, so bought into what the world has that, that I'm, I, I've lost myself. I, I've lost my identity. Why do you think we have an identity crisis right now? People are buying in to what the world has to offer, and they're missing out on something so much greater. The world provides temporary joy. In Ephesians, all the time, it says, right, everything is vanity under the sun. This is the idea that, that all of this is fleeting, that all of this will end one day. But God's kingdom lasts forever. To be in that place, that's the joy of the Lord. Listen, this morning, I know which one I want. I want the joy of the Lord. I don't want this world. I got a question for you this morning. Do you want the joy of the Lord? Because of your flesh, this, this thinking, feeling, and doing, 
listen, it's done a lot of evil things. I've done a lot of evil things. But here's the good news. Because the grace of God and that Christ's work on the cross, we've been saved. Amen. From the penalty of sin, forgiven, pardoned, justified. Listen, Jesus' death and resurrection was and is the liberation, was and is the liberation of humanity from the devil's tyranny. Jesus came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Listen, the world is not going to give you that life. It may for a season. You may think, oh, this was great. I'm living it up. I got the good life. Listen, the good life, that good life does not lead anywhere but a separation from Christ forever. That's not the good life. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I do know it's separation from God. And that's not good. I don't want that. I want the good life to be in his presence, to have every tear wiped away. No more pain, right? Listen, this, I, I don't know. I'm just, this morning, I feel like, I want you to hear me this morning. There is the good life. That is following Jesus. And that is what the world has to offer. And it's short of that by so much. And listen, I get it. I've, I've, I've lived in both. I still dabble in the world. But this morning, I, I don't want that anymore. Can you tell yourself, like, you don't want that anymore? Because you know that how it's fleeting, it doesn't go anywhere. Jesus tells us that the kingdom, that his kingdom is not of this world. I love this. In John 18, 36, Jesus goes before Pontius Pilate, right? And he, and he goes before him. They, this is after he's captured and they bring him. They want him crucified. He goes before Pilate. And Pilate asks him, just boldly, are you the king, right? Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus has a response just a few verses later. He says that his kingdom is not of this world. Listen, I want to get something from this verse, though. Jesus never denied his kingship. Never denied his kingship. He just said, it's not of this world. Man, I wonder, Pilate must have been so, like, what is this guy talking about? He didn't understand. You and I, we understand that his kingdom is not of this world. And the cool thing as believers we're part of that kingdom. You and I, part of the kingdom of God. As followers of Christians, we are members of his kingdom. Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And John 15.19 says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Can you guys stand this morning? Listen, some of us this morning are still living with one foot in the world and one foot in God's kingdom. Some of us this morning are still thinking the world has something better to offer than Jesus. That if we just maybe follow the world a little bit longer, that maybe it'll be like that of God's kingdom. But it'll never be that way. Go with me for a second. Think of a water well. 
you lower the bucket down into the well. Once it collects the water, right, you start to pull it up. And at first, even though the bucket is full of water, it's easy. It's easy because the bucket is still in the water. Listen, it's like that with us. While you are in sin, you don't feel the burden, right? It does not seem to be evil all the time. But hear me this morning, when the Lord draws you out of sin, you find sin to be intolerable. You find sin to be evil. This morning, I pray that God would show you the sin in your life. What's keeping you tied to this world? What's keeping you tied here? Listen, this morning, today's the day you say no more. But you have to decide that. I can't decide that for you. I can't come around here and say, you know what? You're no longer in the world. You're no longer in the world. No, you have to make that decision. You get to decide this morning. If you're going to leave today saying, God, I'm all in for the kingdom, or if you're going to leave to say, God, you know what? There's still things in the world I just want to hold on to. I just can't let go. This morning, oh, you're going to say today's no more. God, that I'm all in. That all I have is yours. That all I want is you. It's the day you say no to the evils of the world. It's the day you say, God, you told me I'm not of this world and I don't want to be of this world anymore. you guys bow your heads. Listen, this morning, if that's you, if you've been living in the world and you want to give that over to Jesus, and you want to say, you know what, no more. Why don't you just take a second? I want you just to raise your hand. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Listen, I get it. You're tired of living in both. You're ready for that next step. I want to pray real quick over those people. God, thank you. Lord, you see their hearts. Lord, you know their desires to be all in for you, all in for the kingdom. God, would you remove their desire for things of this world? Start to transform them. Real quick, before we pray again, look at me for just a second. I want to do something this morning. Right where you're at, I'm not going to do an altar call this morning, but I want to do something together as a group. I want you to take that first step. So right now, it's right where you're at. On the count of three, I want you just to take a step forward and say, God, I'm leaving this world behind. That I'm all in for you. So on the count of three, I want you just to take a step right where you're at. One, two, three. That's it. It's that easy. It's that easy to say, God, here I am. Come change my life. You have all that I am, all that I have. It's yours. Let's pray one more time. I think I'd be remiss this morning if I didn't ask. Maybe some of you have come into this place and you don't know God. You don't know his love. You don't know the freedom that is that comes from knowing Jesus. And you want that this morning. I want to give you an opportunity. If you don't know God as your Savior, you don't know that Jesus died on the cross for you, would you just raise your hand? 
Let's pray together as a, as a congregation. Would you just repeat after me? Lord, come into my life and forgive me of my sin. I turn away from my sin and I turn towards you. I give you all of my life, all that I am, all that I hope to be. I'm yours. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for changing me. And thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen. So you guys have made the first step. I said this on Wednesday night. Don't go back. But you left here today. Leave it. Jesus didn't ask you to leave this place and take it with you. What did he say? He put it on him. God is good. Amen. Amen. Well, go. Go in his blessing. Go knowing that God loves you.